Welcome to Camping Out, a podcast about interesting people, stories, adventures, and their impact in the world, usually through the lens of outdoor adventure. I am Dan Camp, and this evening is the second installment of Camping Out with Dad. In these special episodes of the podcast, I get to sit down with none other than the man who helped me get introduced to outdoor recreation, my dad, Mark Camp. Tonight, we reminisced on spring break trip adventures where my dad would take a large group of my friends as high school students and take us on multi-day adventures. We speak a lot about the role of an impromptu outdoor educator, a role that many of us who love spending time in the outdoors will find ourselves in. Now is a good time to go pour yourself your preferred fireside beverage and get ready for episode two of Camping Out with Dad. Hey, Pop, how's it going on? (laughs) It's going absolutely fantastic. You know, uh, I'm hanging out with my uh, with my son, one of my best friends on the planet. And uh, so it doesn't get much better than that. My dad was just giving me some flack. Uh, He said uh, he needed a grandiose introduction here. And uh, I'm kind of feeling bad that I didn't have one leading in. But uh, I told him he already had one or two of those in the uh, history of camping out. So maybe maybe next time. I don't know. I don't honestly remember uh, that because when you have your other guests on, it's like the announcer at a heavyweight professional wrestling match, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can hear the crowd growing in the background, even though there isn't one. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I know I get it. I know who I am. So I might, I might get some negative feedback for not doing one for you. So we'll, I'm we'll, sure you uh, will. And it's, it's merited. <laughs> Uh, what are you sipping on tonight, Dad? Well, my, uh, I mean, you already know that my preferred fireside beverage is Maker's Mark Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, in my opinion, it is the best everyday bourbon on the market out there. I mean, you know, you're getting a uh, you're getting a handmade uh, product that's been in a, an oak barrel for probably at least six, maybe eight years, and you know that's a pretty good uh, everyday everyday bourbon that doesn't isn't too costly so maker's mark i hear you cheers to that i just finished off our uh we had a little bit of tito's vodka left so i made a a moscow mule the classic uh as we were talking a little bit off camera my senses are still dulled a little bit from my run-in with covid and uh it's it tastes better than it did last time i had it i've been doing some scent retraining but uh it's tasty tonight better than last time nice it's a nice copper mug too i've never had a moscow mule Never had a Moscow mule. I never have. That's a shame. Never have. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty predictable in my, uh, you know, my drinking habits. So I don't, I don't stray off my path too often. And because of that, I have uh, legendary stamina when it comes to, to I mean, I don't know if that's something to be proud of or not, but you know, my buddies that I hang with and travel with and stuff like that. I mean, they'll all tell you that I have superhuman, uh, drinking stamina sometimes and can go on for days. So I think it's because I, uh, you know, I stick to what I know works for me and I stay hydrated, stay wet. If it ain't uh, broke, don't fix it. They say that's right. Cool. Well, our uh, conversation is our second installment of uh, camping out with dad. And for those of you who haven't listened to the first episode, the idea is that my dad and I have gone on all these incredible outdoor experiences together. Uh, He's the reason that I got into the outdoor industry. And he's actually the reason that I got my first outdoor guiding job as a raft guide, um, because he told me, find a way to, uh, to share your passions with people in an alternative means because I was not getting uh, the jobs I was applying for. And who knows, who knew at that point in time that it would turn into uh, the amount of fun and the beautiful people I've met and the connections I've made. And uh, I guess I de- eventually did this podcast is where yeah. we found ourselves from, from that connection. So we're, we're exploring different ideas and themes and uh, things that we think are important in the outdoor world. And the uh, the connection that we've had and you know where we can draw parallels uh, between us and other people out in the outdoor world. <laughs> Tonight, uh, we thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about impromptu outdoor educators, and the idea kind of came um, about, uh, especially when I was talking to Alex Freeze in the Hidden Wild episode. Uh, she is an outdoor educator, and we talked briefly about you know what makes a really great outdoor educator. 
And we kind of talked about how you, dad, had been in this role several times, uh, you know, pretty much since I was born as an impromptu outdoor educator. I mean, I, you know, whether it be identifying birds or plants or just like noticing and being present in the outdoor spaces, catching fish, going for hikes, those sorts of things. I mean, it wasn't like we were just doing them. We learned along the way in a rather impromptu matter. And then you brought people into it. You brought other people's kids out and did the same thing on our, on our trips together. So I'd love to kick off this conversation uh, with, with um, what's that meant to you to like have found yourself in those different spaces. Uh, well, it's true that when uh, I was listening to your conversation with Alex, that uh, all of a sudden, you know, about midway through it, I'm like, holy shit, I've done this stuff. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I've done it with large groups of, uh, of young men. And, uh, you know, when, when we did these things, I mean, originally it was just a great way to spend time on your spring break, you know, your spring break would roll around and, you know, some kids would be taken off to, uh, on trips to Florida beaches with their families and stuff like that. And, you know, we could have done that kind of stuff. I mean, we had that available to us, but, uh, I knew it was important to you. And then, you know, as your brother got older that, you know, to spend time with your buddies, on those on during those spring breaks. And um, so I really didn't have this grandiose intent of, of, uh, you know, being this outdoor mentor to -hmm. you and your buddies. Um, It was just a a, a fun way to, uh, to spend spring break together with, with you and them. But, um, you know, I think impromptu is a great, is a great term to use. Um, As I, you know, as I started to really experience the outdoors and it really didn't happen for me until I was, you know, kind of a young adult and just met the right people that had the right opportunities. <clears throat> I don't really know why, but um, things about the outdoors always kind of just stuck with me. Right. Um, you know, some some plant identification. I'm not a botanist or what, <laughs> what you, you know, or what you would call a, a botanist that can walk around the forest and identify the trees and plants and stuff that you can eat, and not eat. You know, I can identify what's, you know, what's poisonous, what you want to stay out of and um, stuff like that. And, uh, and another thing that always kind of stuck with me for some reason is I'm a bird guy. Um, I, I just retained really ridiculous talking points about birds and I can walk around in the woods and probably identify, you know, six to eight different species of birds by their call alone. Mm-hmm. And then once, once I see them, um, you know, I can, I can have a pretty positive identification and that blows some people's minds. But I, when we started taking these trips, since I had kind of accumulated this impromptu knowledge, it, uh, it was just natural for me to want to, um, to share it with, with you and, and then to share it with your friends um, and a lot of your friends, I won't say a lot, but a, a pretty good percentage of them were comfortable being outdoors. You know, they were fit, gung-ho, adventuresome guys, but they really hadn't spent a whole lot of time doing the kind of camping and adventuring that we enjoyed. And, and, uh, and so I got to take uh, a couple of your, your buddies that um, I got to take them on, I mean, their very first camping trip outside of their backyard. Right. And uh, I got to put some of your buddies in a, in a canoe on moving water for the very first time in their lives. And that was incredibly meaningful uh, to me to be able to watch them, just to see the look on their face candidly the trust they put in me to Mm -hmm. put them in these in these situations and uh so it was just natural that i wanted to share you know you know what limited knowledge i had with them and to see them embrace that enjoy it and retain it um talk about it years later it's incredibly meaningful you know it's that time of the year where um you know on facebook my memories are popping up and the majority of them are these spring break trips, yeah. you know, some of, some of them from, you know, 10, like 10, 11 years ago, maybe 
Um, and man, then those memories come rushing back. And that was, those, those were incredibly meaningful times. And it wasn't always necessarily um, just nature related things. Uh, one year we got drawn towards that Arcadia Valley area of, um, of Missouri. Yeah. We have the black river current, uh, the Merrimack, but there's also a tremendous amount of civil war um, history there. And one year with a bunch of Jack's buddies, I bet I had easily had 10 guys with me. Yeah. We stopped off at Fort Davidson in Pilot Knob, Missouri. And I had arranged for a, an interpretive tour of the, the battleground and what was left of the fort. And uh, it turns out we had a couple of history buffs. You know, uh, Evan McMinn is, is an incredible history mind. I mean, he will blow your, your he'll blow your mind with his knowledge and his retention of history. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Man, he got into it, and then he helped convey the importance of it to the rest of the group that at first weren't quite so interested. Right. So it's a long story, but anybody that hangs out with me long uh, hangs out with me long enough knows that everything with me is a long story. But to answer your question, um, it, it's been incredibly meaningful and incredibly, incredibly rewarding to uh, to be that impromptu educator from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. And just hearing you talk about it and, and uh, reflecting on those stories. I mean, it's been it's been 10 years now since I graduated from high school. So, I mean, we're looking at 10 plus years ago were, were these spring break trips. And I think about um, the memories that are still like burned into the back of my mind. I can like clearly remember hopping in the river and like the dialogue that was had as we're splashing around. I mean, it's cold still. And we're, we're swimming just because we, we felt like we should. And, you know, a time that my, uh, me and Zach Grant got stuck up against the, the side of a strainer in the middle of the river. And you're like, what are you guys doing? Or the I time saw it that- coming, I yeah. saw it happening. I saw it happening. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is the one time I'm going to have to deal with a serious injury. And we got, I mean, we did get really lucky, um, but that trip that you're referring to with Zach, I mean, having Zach on that trip was was great because, you know, I, I don't think Zach will mind me saying that he was as green as you could possibly get when it came to doing things like that. You know, star standout athlete, tough guy, um, incredibly driven, you know, but just had not had the opportunity to to, uh, you know, attack the outdoors the way we did on that trip. And I pushed you guys really hard Mm -hmm. on that trip. You know, we called ourselves the uh, bungee cord brigade because none of us had the proper packs. I think we had some backpacks from like 1985, like the framed backpacks and people had like the computer backpacks with them. We had, yeah, we had, we had, um, I don't know, two or three of Actually, in their day, they were really nice, you know, exterior hard frame uh, packs. Mm-hmm. I still have them. I just saw them in the um, the attic uh, when I was up there the other day. So we had those, but then we also had kids that showed up with their book bags from school. Yeah. <laughs> and so we used duct tape and bungee cords. And, you know, some of the packs were community packs. Like the big ones would have um, gear in it that, you know, might have two or three tents for, you know, different people. And uh, there's still a great picture of us after we got that all packed up. We're standing next to the van getting ready to walk in. And it wasn't a super long walk. It was about four and a half miles from the van to the top of Bell Mountain. You know, Bell Mountain is the second highest um, peak in in quotations mark, quotation marks in Missouri, which puts it up over 1800 feet. It doesn't sound like much, but when you get up there and you compare it to the rest of the landscape, it's absolutely spectacular. And so we hiked up there and we, we camped out of our backpacks that night. You know, the wind was howling. It was beautiful, but the wind was howling. And, you know, I had to hide the one the single burner stove that we had down behind rocks so we could boil water and make food. But man, we were just having the greatest damn time. But the way I had the timing set up was, you know, we pretty much had to eat, have a real quick fire, get in bed and then be up before the sun came up so that we could pack, we could break camp, pack and hike back down and be to the uh, outfitter to get on the Merrimack river by 10 AM the next morning. (laughs) And uh, it it turns out that I misjudged at the time. We probably could have, we probably had another hour to spare, but um, I think it was, you know, it was of course better to not be pressed for time. 
Um, but, you know, I took that was a mix of you and Jack's uh, friends. And, uh, you know, there we are with flashlights and whatever hiking out of there it was still dark. And yeah. the only the only loss on that was I left a pair of fairly nice binoculars on the <laughs> top of that mountain and didn't realize it until uh, we got down. But then we went directly from that uh, right to we stopped at McDonald's for breakfast. But then we went right directly to the outfitter at uh, the Merrimack River and bam, by freaking 10 o'clock in the morning, we're putting boats on spring water yeah. on the Merrimack. Yeah. So that was an extreme, that was probably, other than, I mean, I, I'm going to start going on and on, but, you know, other than the uh, the freezing rain thunderstorm on the top of Tomsoff, <laughs> yeah. that was extreme. Yeah. That was physically extreme. Um, but yeah, I got to see, I got to see, you know, a guy like Zach just be, a, just get exposed to um, outdoor adventure in a way that uh, I don't know if he was expecting it or not. Um, and that was, um, that was the evening when we got up there, I had done a bunch of research on the area and I had learned that there was a set of shut-ins that was 600 feet directly below we were where we were camping. Yep. And, and of course we went for it. And boy, the, uh, the, uh, the trip down was pretty cool. I mean, there were times where I thought, oh, maybe it's not here because we've been going for quite some time. And we've been going down for a long time. Maybe, maybe it was wrong. But sure enough, we just kept going until we found them. And there was this incredible set of shut-ins in the middle of freaking nowhere on the side of this mountain. And, of course, we all stripped down to our undies and crawled in it and swam and I remember one of the funnier moments was um, I, I was in the water, I was getting out or I was half in it or whatever. And there's this, this water bottle and it's full of water. It's crystal clear lids on it. Looks like a brand new bottle of water. And I pick it up, crack the lid off of it and take a big pull on it. And just as I'm doing that, Zach Grant is giving me these hand signals like, no, no, no. And I'm like, what? So I take another big pull off of it. But it was so noisy, I couldn't really hear him. And then eventually we got close to close enough where he's like, well, dude, um, that was directly out of the river. <laughs> I, yeah. had just, I had just filled that bottle so we could take it back up and boil it. And I'm like, well, it was it was damn delicious. <laughs> it tasted good. Thank God there was no Guardia in it. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. You know, reflecting on that story and reflecting on the uh, the different times we had, they were a little bit difficult. Uh, there's definitely like some character building moments in uh, in those stories, and I think back to talking to Alex as well uh, when she's talking about she's leading these high school kids out on this adventure that they were on, and they literally met in the parking lot at four thirty before she takes them out for seven days. And yeah. I made the comment that they had a really natural bond together. It seemed like they had known yeah. each other, which is cool. Yeah. I think there's a there's a innate bond building uh, capacity to an outdoor adventure that you don't necessarily find in um, anything else, really. Not not to the same capacity. Maybe maybe like team sports. I, I've seen it in too, uh, but in places where you have to face some adversity and, and work through those things. And I think about. Uh, our relationship obviously is super solid. Um, but even like my friends, you know, I, I wouldn't think it was weird if you told me you got off the phone with one of my friends, you guys talked for an hour and a half, or you guys saw each other at the bar, went out for that's because it happens. I know, I know that's yeah. what I'm saying. So like you've been able to forge like these these really, you know, intimate relationships with my yeah, I won't, best friends. I won't, yeah, I won't deny it that uh some of your I mean, some of your friends that you originally uh gotten acquainted with like back in sixth grade JFL football uh, to this day, or, I mean, honestly, I feel like some of my best friends yeah. and uh, a lot of it was the fact that, you know, I really dove in hard to um, being the biggest cheerleader of the football team, but I think it also really uh, relates back to these trips yeah. that we, that we, that we took together. Um, I mean, cause it a lot, oftentimes it was just me. I think maybe twice another father joined up. Jay Cook joined up for this. He joined up for the second half of the Bell Mountain trip. And then mm -hmm. um, um, Jack Lomprez came for the, the last trip, which was incredibly one of the most tragic trips. Um, but other than that, it was just me and 
you know, you and your friends, Jack and his friends. And uh, yeah, it forged because we did it year after year. Yeah. And these kids would, uh, you know, they they make their parents reschedule Florida trips so that they could make it on these spring break trips. And that was that was meaningful to me because apparently uh, I was doing something right and prepping for these and planning them. And and uh, the, so it was actually not just fun, but I think it was it, it had some meaning, you know, it was right. meaningful to them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I would I would totally agree that there was some awesome, some awesome, you know, father son father figure um, bonding that uh, went on that has lasted forever. And I think that bonds necessary to be an impromptu outdoor educator to tie that those two principles together, because uh, to you know to fully love something you have to be able to understand it, and to be able to understand something you have to be taught. Uh, or or go out and learn, you know, the importance of these places. So to have somebody that you love and trust to take you out in those spaces, I think personally, I think that is like a key tenet of why uh, you've been such a great outdoor educator. I think part of it too is um, I was successful in getting you guys all to buy in to what our objective was on those trips. I mean, why is that? Why do you think you're able to do that? I think it was, well, I think it was because the way I sold it, um, the one thing that I tried to make really clear um, early on in the planning stages, and I think I even wrote this into some of the uh, the trip plans that I developed and and, and passed out, mm-hmm. was please don't make me be a parent on these yeah. trips. <laughs> you know, let's 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 buy in together. Let's follow the the plan that I've laid out for you, and the less that I have to parent you the more we're going to be able to get out of these trips. Right. And um, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it's how I sold it or, or what, but the guys, you and your guys always bought into it. So that, that left me free to, um, you know, to focus on what really mattered at that time. And that was, you know, teaching um, outdoor stewardship, how to respect the outdoors you know, how to, uh, leave no trace when camping, um, you know, and, and how to stop on the trail once in a while, not just because you need to take a rest because, but because you want to look at what's around, you want to take a minute to look at something that's off the trail. You know, anybody that anybody does any backpacking at all knows that after a while, you'll start staring at your feet and you've walked a mile and you haven't seen anything uh, off the trail. And so, you know, you, you stop. And when you do stop, you have a chance to talk about what's what's surrounding you. And you point some things out. You you uh, you give the the members of the um, of the uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the team, the group, whatever, to have their input and ask questions, point things out, be curious and, um, you know, make those make that make them feel valuable for seeing something and questioning something and and being able to be quiet long enough to uh, hear the answer. Hey campers, I've got a pretty cool opportunity I wanted to tell you about real quick. Wildman Adventure Resort, the amazing multi-sport outdoor recreation paradise that I started my own guiding career at, is hiring for the 2021 season. If you've ever been interested in possibly becoming a guide, or you're a guide looking for an opportunity to get in with the largest whitewater outfitter in the Midwest, here is your shot. To apply, check out wildmanresort.com slash jobs. That's wildmanresort.com slash J-O-B-S. And when you fill out that application, make sure to mention that you heard about this from the Camping Out podcast. Tell them Dan sent you. I always thought you were really good at uh, asking questions. And like you said, you, you were uh, very capable of uh, probing a little bit and being like, what do you, what's important to you here? Or have you noticed this was something I remember you saying, you know, uh, pointing out the things that you saw because you picked your feet up off the ground. I think that's, a, I think that's a lesson that does come with uh, maturity in outdoor sports, because as you know, a 16 year old boy, you're like seen as a physical challenge too. And you know, you're, I'll take the heaviest pack. And of course, that's going to weigh you down a little bit. And you just kind of like narrow in. And I think there's a time and space for that flow state style of just crunching it through. But 
the ability to stop and smell the roses too along the way. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I don't think outdoor education is all about identifying plants and birds. I think outdoor education is about uh, what can be learned uh, by, you know, uh, embracing the great days and the easy days, but then also overcoming the the hard days. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And we learned some of those lessons on our final trip, which uh, actually was the final trip with your buddies. And then I went on to do things with Jack's friends after that. But I'll never forget, um, as we were leading up to that trip, the plan was to go to Tomsock Mountain in the Arcadia Valley there, Missouri. Tomsock's the highest peak in um, in Missouri. So slightly higher than Bell Mountain, not all that much. But as we watched the weather leading up to that, it was not looking good. <laughs> no, it was not. It was not looking good. And I started trying to plan for alternatives. And I'll never forget Chase Walker. Yeah, that's what I remember too. Chase was, I mean, he was dead set that we were going to make that trip to Tomsock. Dead set. And he wasn't I was going like, to take no for an answer. I was like, you know, here, here's, here's the battle I'm fighting or, here, here, you know, here's the, here's what I'm challenged with, challenged with is that you guys just have not experienced enough pain. <laughs> yeah. you, <laughs> you have know, been uncomfortable enough. You just have not experienced enough pain. You just have not been cold and wet and tired to the point where you, you won't ever be anything other than cold and wet and tired for the entire trip. Just haven't had that experience enough times to know that it's smart to avoid <laughs> it. But I couldn't say no. I just, I couldn't say no because Chase's argument was right. He says, you know what, Mr. Camp? He's like, no matter what happens, we are going to have a great time. And he said that to me, you know, enough times that I was like, you know, he's right. It, it, I, I, I really had a feeling it, it could be it could be a disastrous trip, and I'll say it was short of disastrous. Um, <laughs> it, it cut the corners just barely, though. Yeah, but uh, you know, I appreciated his his attitude, and you know that was uh, infectious with the rest of the group. But I was proven right. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a good time, though. Yes, but but here's here's here was the learning. Here was the uh, you know the learning opportunity is. Um, we got there that first night and there was 15 of us on that trip. The Rangers showed up at the top of the mountain and it was cold as shit. I mean, it was one of the coldest nights. We had a gigantic fire. We had, you know, 13 uh, young men huddled around that. Me and Jack Lomprez huddled out in the fringes. And um, so we had, it was, it was a blast. It was so much fun. That was one of the best campfire um, uh, conversations and rabble rousing that we had. I mean, there's still some, there's still some, uh, some jokes that get told today about the conversations that came up that night. Um, but then we went to bed and, uh, and when we woke up, we were covered in about a quarter of an inch of ice mm -hmm. and there was lightning in the area. And everything I read and studied and, and so forth was like, if if it starts to lightning, you got to get off there. It kills people up there. And so there we are crawling out of tents that are collapsed by the weight of the ice, crawling into vehicles and stuff just to be as safe as we could. And then eventually it did pass, but everything was soaked. I had a 30 foot square tarp and we hung that thing in the trees Yep. We positioned we positioned a picnic table so that we could get a um, a cook stove underneath there, and um, we proceeded to cook a big hearty breakfast. And it was not raining, but everything was melting, so it still felt like it was constantly raining. And we ate, we ate big. We had a big meal, got done with it, and we're all just still kind of sitting there underneath that tarp trying to stay dry. And I wish I could remember which of your friends was on that trip. He was somebody that hadn't been on any of the other trips, but he fit in really great. And I cannot remember who it was. Do you remember? No, no. Are you talking about who encouraged us that day to get out? Yes. It was Riley McMinn. Well, it was Riley, but it was this other young man. And I wish I could remember his name because he was just, he was equally responsible for it. And, um, about, I don't know, it was probably one o'clock in the afternoon by then we packed up 
and took off in this fog. I mean, it was dense fog. The ice was still raining off of everything, but we had one of those most magical hikes I've ever had. Um, For anybody that's never been up on Tomsock, you know, it's, it is really a fairly spectacular landscape and we experienced it in those conditions, which were just weird. I mean, it was, I mean, it was, um, you know, Narnia, Narnia, foggy, super um, foggy, Harry Potter, you know, dingy, dark, but it was so beautiful. And we had about a nice four hour hike that day and, uh, came back to camp and tried to get as warm and dry as we could. And somehow we got another meal in and what did it do then that night again? Oh yeah. More ice. The exact same thing. Ice and thunder, thunder ice. So that morning it was bad enough that we actually just got up and jumped in trucks and we drove down to the bottom of the mountain and went to that diner and watched the radar and had breakfast and everything. And we just kept watching the radar. And at some point in time, we just made the call. It's over and uh, drove back up there. And we literally just ripped down the tents, sleeping bags and smashed it all into the back of vehicles. My pickup truck was just, you know, jam packed with wet gear and everything. And, um, and that's, that's, you know, how the, the adventure ended, so to speak, except, you know, we drove home in an unbelievable snowstorm. Yeah. Uh, and everybody got mad at me because it was snowing so hard that I missed the last exit for white castles and violated a (laughs) a tradition, violated a tradition. But, uh, yeah, you know, that was a learning experience. There's a lot of leader leadership that, that happened there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, guys, I don't remember anybody ever complaining. I don't remember anybody ever complaining like, shit, what the hell are we doing here? Why did we do this? I remember a lot of laughter. I remember a lot of, um, um, you know, perseverance. And, um, you know, I think that's where the education happened. There is sometimes you are dealt a shit hand of cards and you got to play them. And um, we played them really good there. And I think we won the hand. I agree. I agree. It wouldn't, and it wouldn't happen because I was, uh, I was being slightly negative about it. You know, I was negative about it going into it. And uh, once we got up there and I was dealing with that, I was, I was a little negative and kind of like, you know, Hey, I tried to tell you fuckers. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, the attitude of you guys and the, the people that stood up as leaders. And um, I think that was, you know, I think that was some education that happened there that had nothing to do with identifying plants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I thought of when we, you first started telling the story is that it seemed like you had a place that maybe of, of being educated in that, that role. So as an outdoor educator, are you ever like, you know, uh, I'm happy like the universe is reciprocating this back into my life. I'm learning because of this experience as you're, you're uh, an impromptu outdoor educator. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, watching somebody overcome adversity in the outdoors um, is incredibly inspiring. And, uh, and if you pay attention to it, there's a lot to be learned by, by, by observing that. Absolutely. Anybody that's uh, been an outdoor guide of any sort, you know, that's, that's the feeling. That's why most people do it. And so it's cool. You don't have to take your summers and be a whitewater rafting guide. You can, you know, uh, take your, your family and friends and introduce them to what you love. And it's, and it's been, uh, you know, it's been important enough and, and impactful, impactful, enough to me in a long lasting meaningful way that you know you know this Dan that I'm now um I'm now in the early stages of you know um working on a project to help bring more young people into the outdoor experience and um if you don't mind me sharing this you know specifically through the um you know what can be learned by um the experiences of being on the water in a kayak yeah um I, uh, I spent a lot of time on still water. That's, you know, I live in an area where we don't have a lot of access to uh, rambling rivers and creeks. Um, and so I found some really cool still water areas to paddle in. And uh, to me, it's magic. Uh, I can't think of any place else I'd really rather be around here. Um, and uh, 
I take that and I think about the meaningful experiences I had with you guys, you know, you and your friends. I know there's a lot of boys, uh, disadvantaged young men in particular, maybe fatherless homes or, you know, foster situations or, um, you know, the list can go on and on yeah. that would get so much reward out of having someone say, Hey, let's go kayaking. Well, I don't know how to do that. I don't have a kayak. Don't worry about it. I've got everything you need. Trust me, let's go do this. Mm -hmm. And to, you know, it made me think of uh, Alex's trip um, to put those, those young men on the water, teach them how to make a kayak go straight yeah. on still water. And um, at the end of the day, you know, come off the water and sit around a campfire and talk about our experience. Um, I can't wait. I mean, I just can't wait for that first trip to happen. Yeah. So um, I'm getting some good guidance with some other non-for-profit leaders that heard about my my vision and want to get behind it and support it. So I'm going to look for I'm looking forward to sharing more of this um, as it continues to develop. It's a dream that I've had. You know, Dan knows that this is a dream I've had for a long time. But um, I truly believe that you should uh, you should do more of what you do best. Um, you should um, uh, surround yourself with the right kind of people. And then, you know, let your universe, not the big universe, but your universe that you can have some control over, uh, do its magic. And uh, I'm finding that kind of out of an accident, I'm being surrounded with the right kind of people. And it's been a it's been a big step. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And it's you know, this it all relates back to the experiences I had learning from you and yeah. your friends. Yeah. The, uh, in the book, The Alchemist, which is probably one of my all time, my it's at least in the top three. Uh, one of my favorite lines is that when you really want something, the whole universe conspires for you. And uh, I feel like that's that's the route that you're on with, with this project you're taking on. So uh, I'm really excited for you. I asked Alex this question. I want to ask it to you. So as someone who is professionally trained, she had a really good answer for it. I imagine you have a, a pretty good answer for it too. I asked her what were the top three traits required to be an outdoor educator. And her response was patience, creativity, and positivity. I don't you know if you like. Me, you should have let me answer before you told me what her answers were. Well, I was going to ask if you agree with those okay. or if you would add one or two into that or like take one out or consolidate. How would you take so, that, that? So part? what were her three answers again? Patience creativity and positivity. Okay. I think this, um, I think this goes along with patience. Um, and I would say that it takes a really good, it takes really good listening skills. Um, too many people listen, uh, for the purpose of coming up with a reply. <laughs> and so while they're listening, all they're thinking about is how can I come back with a, you know, a real crafty, smart, um, maybe smart aleck answer. Yeah, seriously. And, and when you do that, um, communication breaks down. It's weak. Yeah. So I think um, to be a, I mean, in a lot, I think this, this carries over not just to being an outdoor educator, but an educator or just being a great communicator is, um, is to patiently listen and hear what you know what the question is really asking about what it means and so that way um you're able to give a uh you know you're able to give a response that um that again has some has some real meaning and it really uh helps to extend the uh the debate the the, the learning uh so i agree with her on patience what were the other ones uh patience creativity and positivity yeah, positivity is obviously important because, you know, um, positivity gets you through those uh, shit situations where it's raining ice and um, <laughs> in the middle of a thunderstorm uh, up in the up in the sky. Um, creativity, of course, uh, looking, you know, looking for opportunities, you know, being creative about um, how you exploit the opportunities that are presented to you, because you know, you can, you can make all the detailed trip plans you want, but once you step out onto the trail, um, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what you're going to see. And so, um, you know, that could change. You might have some idea, but it could change so rapidly that, yeah, being creative um, to see the, you know, the opportunities that exist. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. 
I thought creativity was was really cool too because uh, in the film Hidden Wild, you know, uh, Cortez is talking about all these birds down there in the Everglades, and he's like, "It's like these birds all rolled up and whipped out, uh, you know, a hundred card deck of Uno, and they're yeah. just chilling, playing Uno together." And you know, I never would have, I never would have saw it that way. Yeah. And you know, it's so being creative in the way that you want to see the universe and the landscapes around you is is uh, part of that as well. I think. I agree. And I'll, I'll add to her list that um, great planning can really help yes. you, um, you know, be a better, provide more opportunities for, you know, interpretation, you know, education, interpretation kind of goes hand in hand. Um, because, you know, Dan, you know that I laid out a pretty detailed freaking trip plan. So there was really nothing left to guesswork to be prepared for the trip. Now, of course you have to be adaptive when you get out there and, and things start going wrong, but if you have a really great, well thought out plan, it takes pressure off of you. And so that allows you to see more of what's going on around you. And, uh, you know, just be aware because you're not worried about whether or not somebody's going to have dry socks that night. Yeah. We would literally have several eight foot tables laid out in our garage cars were in the driveway for the two weeks leading up to the trip and everything was laid out. The packets that my dad would send to these kids before they left uh, were thick. I think they had the map quest directions of where we were going, the daily itinerary, what to bring. It literally had in there. Don't make me be a parent. It was on the, it was on the, the itinerary list. Yeah. So, yeah. and because yeah, of that, yeah, the, the, they didn't have, there was no guessing. There was no uh, showing up with the wrong gear. Everybody had what they needed. Everything. Yeah. And, and, I, and the parents that, and I still, to this day, it still blows my mind that, you know, uh, six sets of parents would let me just take their kids, take off, go off into the woods, go do these hikes, put their kid in a canoe on, you know, in spring water. Uh, they've never been in one before, uh, but Hey, we trust you, Mark. I just honestly, to this day, um, that blows my mind, but I really am. I, I was always truly honored by the, the trust that they put in me. Yeah. You know, um, if I looked around hard enough, I could find one of those trip plans still preserved around here someplace. They're kind of funny to look at because they're so damn anal and, and detailed, but it saved us a lot of hassles and yeah, made us be able to enjoy the surroundings and not, not uh, have to be you know, under the pressure of being unprepared. When you reflect on those trips now, uh, you know, like I said, it's been 10 years, which is crazy to me. We're planning our 10-year high school reunion uh, this fall. Uh, when, you, when you look back at those moments, I mean, what do you miss most about being in that leadership role? Honestly, I think what I miss most, um, you know, the trips were great. The experiences mm -hmm. were great because I love that shit. So it just gave me an excuse to uh, um, go do what I love to do. Yeah. But, you know, and to be able to do it with you and Jack because of how close we are and, um, and how we enjoy doing those things together. But I think what I miss the most is the is how the guys embraced. Don't make me be a parent. Yeah. And because they embraced that, it was a gigantic group of buddies. Yeah. I just felt like I was another one of the guys but I was there to make the decisions that needed to be made. Right. And so um, I never felt like I was, you know, I never felt like I was the man in charge, so to speak, like you need to do what I tell you to do. I didn't have to discipline. I never had to, to discipline. Well, until uh, I was guiding just uh, Jack's group. <laughs> um, but I really, even that I never really had to discipline. It was just, the way I was accepted into your group as just another one of the guys that is, has left the most meaningful, uh, you know, impact and, and memories. And, you know, what I think I really missed the most is just that damn unbelievable, um, true blue camaraderie that we shared together. That is magical. And, and to this day will, um, make me well up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I got one more question for you, but before before we get there, uh, I wanted to you know go public here as I say thank you for doing those things for for Jack and I and and the guys that were out there on those trips. You know, I, I don't think there's any party that doubts that we are grateful 
for what you did, but uh, I don't think, you know, you reflect a lot on, you know, what it took to make those happen, especially as you get older, you know, I, and I don't, I live 1600 miles away from home now. I don't see you guys very much. So yeah, uh, to be able to sit here and even just have this conversation is, is really, um, really fulfilling and uh, you know, really fond memories. Yeah. It was a, it was a labor of love. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was a lot of work and it was a lot of responsibility. Um, but um, I want to thank you and, and your friends and, and, and you and Jack. Um, it was easy to be your dad because for some reason you fucking trusted me and you bought into, um, you know, what I had to offer. And the fact that your buddies did too, I can't thank you guys all enough for that because today I look back on those experiences, not as, not as it ever being a hassle, but like I said, a labor of love that uh, paid dividends that um, still get to me today. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I thought we'd finish our, our talk tonight with, uh, I kind of wanted you to reshare your thought that you had on uh, your hump day message today. And so for those of you who don't know what the hump day message is, it's uh, my dad for, you've been doing this for years. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not every Wednesday, but uh, pretty frequently he gets on there and, and he has this really, really great message that uh, he is inspired by or something he's been thinking on. And today uh, I, I don't spend a ton of time on Facebook, but I, I got on there and I, I watched the video and I thought it was kind of powerful. So would you elaborate on kind of your thought that you had today? Yeah. Um, you know, we live in a really weird, uh, screwed up time right now. I mean, and you can list all the, all the reasons for that. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's easier now than it ever has been to, uh, to feel like there's nothing good, you know, um, that, uh, you know, the world is so imperfect that, uh, you know, how can you ever expect to have, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a good day? I mean, some people, I think there's a big percentage of people that just don't ever, I mean, they're just, they just feel like they're destined to have nothing but a bad day every day. Yeah. And um, I can understand that. That would be a tough thing to do, to have just, you know, a great day, a perfect day all day long. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you reduce it down to the ridiculous and you just reduce it down to a moment, that's manageable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 60 seconds, 15 seconds you know, whatever it is, you can manage that and make the choices, the decision, um, do what you have to do to have a perfect moment out of one day. And uh, I did that today by getting out of bed early in the morning while the sun was coming up and grabbing some coffee and taking about a two and a half mile walk and um, I just thought to myself, hell, take a look at this. This is a goddamn perfect moment. Might just be a moment. The rest of the day might be the grind. Yeah. It'd be like every other day, but by God, I made a choice and did what I had to do to have a perfect moment. And um, anybody can do that. Just got to make up your mind. And it can be anything. It can be something you saw. It can just be something beautiful. It could be the 15 seconds that you took to appreciate a butterfly floating on the breeze as it went past you. And that's why I thought it was such a cool message is, is because it is impossible to have 24 hours of perfect one. You're sleeping for, you know, six to eight of yeah. those hours. And yeah. uh, no matter how good your sleep is, I don't think anybody's going to say that's a perfect way to spend your time. If I yeah. could never sleep and function perfectly, I probably wouldn't. Um, yeah. But, you know, even if it's just for me, a lot of the times I come home from the gym and the sun's coming up in our little Valley here and I see the mountains. Yeah. Covered in snow still. And I'm like, hmm. You know, if nothing else happens today, I did something hard and I got up early enough to see this. That's pretty cool. I'm a and, I'm a huge believer in the power of uh of the sun coming up in the morning. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's the start of a new day. Um, it's the reassurance that you're here again. <laughs> yeah. <seriously. laughs> you know that to me, there's nothing greater than the power of the sun coming up in the morning, that first light of day. 
even on days when it's cloudy, it might even have more impact when it starts to get light outside because everything, everything lights up, even on the yeah. bad. I mean, it could be a thunderstorm morning, but when that light starts to hit, everything comes alive. The birds come alive. Um, sounds happen. The temperature changes weirdly at sunrise. It's just, it's incredibly powerful moment. And so for me, that's, that's, often where I'm going to find my one perfect moment uh, out of the day. But I think what you said is really important to remember for all of us is that that's unique to the individual. What is going to create that perfect moment? Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's, maybe it's reading a passage from, you know, a motivational passage from a book, or um, maybe like you said, um, you saw a, a bug cross the, the sidewalk and you took a minute to watch it and think, how unbelievable is that creature? You know, <laughs> There's yeah. just so many opportunities if you're observant, if you're, I think appreciative is a good word. If you're appreciative of the fact that you were given this opportunity to see something, to feel something, but just really internalize it, you know, really wrap your arms around it. Um, then you'll start to recognize when you're having a perfect moment. So I think a lot of people have them. They just don't appreciate it enough. When it's happening. Yeah. Yep. Such a great point. Uh, do you want to leave us with something that you are grateful for today? Well, I think I shared it during my my hump day message. Um, and I think I just shared it a little bit about, um, you know, the the power of the, the sun coming over the horizon in the morning. Um, I try to see that as often as I can. I don't always I don't always get out on the road early enough necessarily to see it, you know, crack the horizon. But it's usually pretty early um, in it in the sunrise. Um, so that was a powerful moment for me this morning. Um, when the sun hit my face for the first time, I had a sip of coffee my feet are moving, uh, down the road in front of me. Um, that was, uh, that was great. Now I had some other good moments during the day, but that was the one that, uh, really made it for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, dad. Well, I appreciate your time tonight yeah. as always. It's always so much fun to to even have these conversations blows my mind, especially since we're across the country from each other. So uh, I just really love that. I, I love the name of the sub, the name of the, the, um, the program camping out with dad. Camping out with that. dad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hope, uh, I hope that uh, we're able to do it in person here, but uh, before too long, but I yeah. will take this any day of the week uh, yeah. as a, a second place. So I love right you. Dad. On, love you too, man. Great to talk to everybody. Have a good one. Find your perfect moment. And here we are. That is that for this special episode of Camping Out with Dad. I have to say that these fun reflections with my earliest outdoor mentor are uh, incredibly fun to have. I'll always value those trips we took and the amount of time, planning, and, uh, and patience it took to make sure that we all came back in one piece. Now, do you know any of those people that fill that impromptu outdoor education component in your life? I'd love for you to share this episode with them and see if they have the same thoughts and ideas as my dad just shared. As always, I love to see the reviews on Apple Podcasts, so a five-star review is very, very much so appreciated. And don't forget to check out dancamp.net slash shop for your camping out merchandise. We'll see you guys next week. And remember, adventure comes to those who go.